out of flight time. And Welcome to the Cosmosphere Podcast, a monthly show where we talk with the people that work at the Cosmosphere in Hutchinson, Kansas. We will be diving into history, talking about the work the museum does with artifact restoration, and also the education and outreach programs that are available at the Science Education Center and Museum. I'm your host, John Mulnix. You can catch me here on this podcast or on my daily show, The Space Shot. The Cosmosphere podcast will have new episodes available the first Wednesday of every month, so make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast aggregator of choice. Over the weekend, I sat down for a remote conversation with Jim Remar from the Cosmosphere, and you'll find out a little bit more about him here shortly. The following is a wide-ranging interview where we talk about Sputnik, some space history, some history of the Cosmosphere, as well as talking about Jim and finding out a little bit more about his background and the work he does for the museum. Without any further delay, here's episode one of the Cosmosphere podcast, my conversation with Jim Remar about Sputnik. Today we're talking with Jim Remar, the president and COO of the Cosmosphere. We're going to be talking about Sputnik since it's the 60th anniversary of the launch of that historic spacecraft. So, Jim, where does the, you know, where does the launch of Sputnik fit in in like the overall scheme of space history? If you could just walk us through it for somebody that you know somehow might not know. Sure. Well, Sputnik was the catalyst um, to the space race. It, it was it was the first domino uh, that got pushed over, and and it, in my opinion, uh, was incredibly important for for two reasons. Um, one, it was the start of of the space race. So, when the Soviets launched Sputnik um, in 1957, uh, it was the beginning of what would become one of the greatest challenges uh, that man has ever undertaken, and that's landing on a moon on the moon. It also uh, signified uh, to the United States that the Russians did possess the the ability, the technology uh, to deliver deliver a nuclear warhead um, to the continental United States. Prior to that, the prominent ideology or, or thought of the Soviets was was that of a, a backward nation. Um, it was believed that they could barely get a tractor to function properly, let alone uh, build a rocket that would be able to deliver a nuclear warhead. So showed uh, the world, uh, and, and more importantly, those living in the United States, that the Soviets possessed the technology to deliver a nuclear warhead to the continental United States. Um, prior to that, the Americans viewed the Soviets uh, as, as a backward society, um, uh, lacking in technology or, or industry, and automatically, overnight, uh, that all changed. And so it, it really had a major impact um, on the United States because, A, we were beaten into space, um, which is incredibly embarrassing, uh, and, B, automatically, um, overnight, the Soviets proved they had the ability to deliver a nuclear warhead to uh, anywhere in the, in the world. 
definitely not something that we were expect you know <laughs> wanting necessarily so when you go to the cosmosphere i mean it's one of the places that i've been to since i was a little kid i love you know love going to the cosmosphere the hall of space when we're walking through it where does sputnik fit in with that timeline you know you were talking about how it's the start of the space race what what came before that that allowed sputnik to actually happen sure there there were several things um, that preceded Sputnik. Uh, the Hall of Space Museum starts with the uh, development of the V-2 rocket during World War II by Nazi Germany. And so it that gallery uh, demonstrates uh, to the visitor, explains how underneath uh, Werner von Braun, uh, the, the Nazis developed uh, a weapon that was the first ICBM. Um, it was a weapon of mass destruction though it came online late in the war uh, and really didn't have a, a major impact on the war itself um, but what it did have an impact on it was a forerunner of technology that would would ultimately take man to the moon once the visitor exits uh, the the german gallery uh, they're taking on uh, trip through uh, the early stages of the Cold War and then the 1950s um, when pushing the envelope was was the mindset of the time uh, how could we go higher farther and faster and uh, so in that gallery we discuss uh, Chuck Yeager's flight in his Bell X-1 and, and his record-setting flight where he became the first human to break the speed of sound uh, talk about the x-15 uh, the x programs and what uh, that type of, of flight and exposure had on the human body and then prior to Sputnik we talk about the US's ability to deliver a nuclear warhead via the ICBM uh, the Redstone and it's it's in that gallery where we introduce the visitor to the current thought of the Soviets in that they lacked the technology, the present technology, to be able to, to do anything as complex as deliver an ICBM to the United States. Okay. So when, when you're walking through the Hall of Space, I mean, there's an incredible amount of artifacts there. The Sputnik that's on display at the Cosmosphere, that's a flight-ready backup. So, like, how did... How did the Cosmosphere get that? Like, what's the what's the story behind that? And since it was a flight-ready backup, I mean, that, that basically means that was ready to fly in the event that the original Sputnik wasn't able to. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. That is correct. Um, again, we the Cosmosphere possesses uh, the largest collection of, of Soviet artifacts outside of Moscow, and included in that uh, is an actual flight-ready backup of Sputnik, um, prominently displayed in the first third of, of the Hall of Space Museum. Uh, the, the Cosmosphere was at the right place at the right time um, to acquire this artifact. This was uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, and, and unfortunately it was also at a time when uh, the Soviet economy was, was crumbling. And so uh, working with an international space attorney, uh, the Cosmosphere was able to broker a deal to acquire uh, many uh, historic artifacts um, from the former Soviet Union, uh, including uh, the Sputnik that we have on display. And, and it is indeed a, a flight backup. So for whatever reason, had the, the Sputnik that went up and, and became the, the sound heard around the world malfunctioned prior to launch, uh, it's very feasible and plausible that the Sputnik we have on display could have been its replacement. That's incredible. 
So re- restoration-wise, like what did the Cosmosphere have to do to restore that artifact, or was it in decent shape, or can you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good question. Fortunately um, for, for us, there was really little that we had to do in terms of restoring the artifact. Uh, it was in fairly pristine condition, so other than a little exterior cleaning, um, it was basically display-ready when we received it. So I know the Eisenhower Library in Kansas, they have some you know, content related to Sputnik and the space race. Do you guys do work with other museums or with you know, presidential libraries um, related to space history? Oh, absolutely. We, we work with literally museums all over the world. Um, we do some cooperative programming uh, with the Eisenhower up in Abilene. Um, and we do work with with NASA um, visitor centers, the Smithsonian, um, the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force. In fact, we are supporting uh, an exhibit on space exploration uh, that just opened in Rome, uh, another one that just opened in Milan. So our, our support and involvement um, with other museums related to space exploration is, is definitely international in scope. Very cool. And it's, you know, it's incredible. Most people would never think that a museum in Kansas is able to do that amount of work. So just it's really a testament to what the Cosmosphere is able to do. I, I want to talk a little bit about your background sure. now. Um, you got a bachelor, bachelor's in history and political science. Right. So similar background Correct. to me, which is cool. <laughs> um, and a master's in museum studies. Like, how did that, you know, what did, what did that do to prepare you sure. for the job at the well, Cosmosphere? Because, I mean, you're working things yeah no that, that that's a great question um, it, when, when I was an undergrad um, I, I began to uh, do internships in in public history and and began to think about what um, what my future might hold and really began to immerse myself in um, a public history environment whether that's archives historical society or museum and I knew I didn't want to teach um, but I wanted to be able to to utilize my uh, degree in history and so in visiting um, I'm from Hutchinson originally and so when I'd come back and visiting uh, my hometown uh, during breaks I would often come to the Cosmosphere and so it was my internships coupled with um, just you know some general visits to the Cosmosphere that piqued my interest in museum studies. Uh, so I went uh, received a master's in, in museum studies, museum administration, um, and that really prepared me for working with, with artifacts and, and how to um, properly care for, preserve, and exhibit artifacts. Um, not necessarily those related to space exploration, but just artifacts in general. And so that was really the, the first um, time that I, I began to possess the, the ability to care for the tremendous collection that, that we have here. Uh, in 2000, um, after working for three years uh, in a small historic site in Pennsylvania, had the opportunity to, to come home here at the Cosmosphere. And so over the, the last um, 17 years, uh, I've just I've educated myself, positioned myself to um, take on uh, the, the challenge of, of running the Cosmosphere, um, understanding the collection, but then also understanding the, the business side of it as well. Um, getting an education in business management, 
um, that allows me to to be able to kind of work on both sides with the museum and the artifacts and the exhibits, um, but also on the business side and and making sure that um, the Cosmosphere stays solvent and um, has, you know, proper cash flow and, you know, making sure the, the, the budget balances and all that fun and exciting stuff. Very important. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that, you know, any museum like you're talking about, the cash flow, that's definitely critical. What's, you know, for the museum, besides just, you know, the day-to-day operations, what's what's one of the things that you wish more people knew about the Cosmosphere? Well, I definitely wish more people knew about our, our Spaceworks division. Um, Spaceworks is, is incredibly important because of the, the cash flow. Uh, and profit that it does provide to the organization, but it really allows the Cosmosphere to be recognized internationally. Um, the ability uh, of the Cosmosphere to produce replicas, to do restoration projects, um, to build exhibitry uh, is unparalleled, and it allows us to undertake some incredibly important projects, uh, one being the uh, restoration of the original uh, historic mission control down at Johnson Space Center. Uh, Because of our expertise, our team has been uh, chosen to be a part of the restoration of of that National Historic Landmark. And that's that's fantastic. I was there last summer. And, you know, if we can see that restored, that would just be incredible. It was was quite a sight um, in its current state, so I can't imagine how how awesome it's going to be once it's done being restored. So that's fantastic. You know, let's end with two questions. First, what is your favorite artifact or part of the museum? <laughs> I, I, I love that question. Um, my favorite artifact is is the White Room, uh, the Apollo era White Room, one of only three uh, that were used. And so, a third of the Apollo missions um, came through that White Room. And for me to be able to stand in there and just feel. Um, what it must have been like for the astronauts as, as they said their goodbyes, did their final checkouts, and then were inserted into the spacecraft. Um, the stories that, that that artifact can tell, the the emotion, the, the, the intensity, um, it, 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 it just really uh, is something that speaks to me personally. Definitely. And last time we were there, I, f- I forget the tour guide's name. Um, he did a fantastic job. Um, but he went through and we were in the white room and it's definitely, we were all kind of crammed in there and it was, <laughs> it was, it was a pretty cool experience Absolutely. when he was going over the history for that. So yeah, that's, it's one of those things that you wouldn't even necessarily think of when you're visiting right. the Cosmosphere. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. So last question then, what's something you wish that more people knew generally about space or space history? Well, I, I wish people recognize that space exploration is is still alive and vibrant in this country. Um, We often hear that because we don't have a manned vehicle, there there is no space program, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I think we're at an incredibly exciting period uh, in, in time as it relates to space exploration with the private and commercial sectors, the, the Boeings, the SpaceX's, the Blue Origins. Um, the future is, is unfolding before us right now, and is incredibly exciting and I just wish more people uh, recognize that and and were able to embrace and and become excited again about what we're going to accomplish in the future definitely I think that's a fantastic 
Fantastic sentiment there. I, I couldn't agree more. So today, this is just kind of a taste of what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, over the next couple months, we're going to be talking about different uh, you know, historical topics, different programs that the museum does. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk with everybody at the Cosmosphere. And this is just kind of, I guess, my way of giving back for all of the times that I went to the museum as a kid and heck, even now as an adult, it's one of those things that <laughs> you, you know, even though you've been yeah. through the museum you know, dozens of times, it's still you get chills when you see what you guys have. So well, I'm we, really excited we, to be able to. Yeah, we appreciate you doing this for us. Um, it, it is important, obviously, to, to preserve um, what we're talking about. But for us, it's important that people understand um, what we have here. And, and hopefully this will uh, educate the public about the Cosmosphere and, and get people excited about coming here. Definitely. I think so. I'm, I'm looking forward to next month. It looks like we're going to be probably talking about some of the Mars uh, education that you guys do with uh, some of the camps. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to sit down with whoever we end up chatting with. Excellent. Awesome. Jim, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate oh, my it. my pleasure. I look forward to getting, you know, talking to you again here soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, bye. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast so you can catch new episodes the first Wednesday of every month. Make sure you share and subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It really does help more people find out about the podcast. Next month, we head to Mars. For the Cosmosphere, I'm John Molnix. I also want to give a huge thank you to Benoit Darcy, Benoit lives in Paris, France, and provided the music that you hear in the intro and outro for this podcast. You can find Benoit's album, Apollo, on iTunes and other streaming services. I'm linking to it in the show notes, so be sure to check it out and give it a listen.